Moses knew what was coming. He knew what would happen the minute the people of God would cross the Jordan and try to take possession of their new homeland. He knew what leadership challenges that Joshua, his successor, would face. Walls, it only took days before they faced Jericho. Giants, people were huge. Battles, and he had to lead them through internal strife and sin. And what's amazing about the book of Joshua is like half of it's devoted to the administrative headaches that Joshua had to face in assigning the people of God to their homeland. And that's why before he walked up into the mountain to die, he left them all with these four words, be strong and courageous. Now, normally, that would be my setup. And I would say something like, so, to find out what those words mean, let's grab a Bible. And then I would say something, if you don't have a Bible on your lap, you won't know if I'm making this stuff up. But uh, this is a very different moment, a peculiar moment in all of our lives. So before we get to the scripture, I want to say goodbye and thank you. To the congregation of Grace Church, if you're still here at Grace, if you're still around, thank you for your love and your care, for persevering through a massive amount of change over the last 29 years. That's why I say if you're still around, because a lot of people couldn't handle the change. Now, there's a reason for all the change. It was my desire from the earliest days to help transform Grace Church from a first mountain to a second mountain organization. Now, I've got to be honest with you, I didn't understand that terminology back in the day, but we certainly do now. My desire was to see a church whose members were healing the broken places of the world, a church that was poised to shake the systems of injustice, a church with both men and women equally sharing leadership, a church that was open to the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit moving out into the borderland of the supernatural and a church that was committed to partnering palms up with international leaders around the world to expand the kingdom worldwide. That's why there was a lot of change. And I'm not apologizing for one moment of it. I believe we are now a second mountain organization. I can say that with confidence. Grace Church is a second mountain organization. It took a lot of change to get here. And our church is needed more today than ever before. If you've been paying attention to what is happening in our world, and I'm sure we are, and your new senior pastor, I believe, is uniquely skilled to lead you to shake more systems in the name of Jesus. We can thank God for that. So I just want to say thank you to those of you who have persevered and will carry on. Secondly, I want to thank my friends and mentors and co-mentors. Some of you right now around the country are tuning in, and you have loved me well. I can't remember. I won't be able to call everybody's name out, but Charlie, as my mentor, 
for so many years. Thank you. Gary, Steve, Bob, many times you allowed me to be honest as we got together. And Jim, Jim Henderson, thank you for continuing to prod and push. Thank you, guys. Then for my family, Donna, my sister, and her husband, Stan, thank you for your encouraging words and support. And Isabella, and Anya, and Jude, and now Henry, you guys are the light of my life. Barry and Liv, Lucy and Kevin, Chris and Vic, you make me laugh. You make me weep with joy. And every single one of you make me so proud. Penny, dear Lord, where would I be without you? Where would we be without you? Do you know what she's protected you from? Does anybody have any idea what this woman, you don't have to nod so strongly, Amy. Penny, you have brought beauty into my life and order and peace and truth. I don't know who I would be, literally, who I would be without you. And you've paid a dear, dear price for these 42 years. I will spend the rest of our lives trying lamely to say thank you and that I love you. And of course, God, we have wrestled. We have wrestled. Father, we have wrestled. I thank you for the call on my life, I think. Yeah, thank you. And God, I thank you now for the release. And mostly I thank you for your presence. I'm sorry for all the sniffling, guys. So thank you. Thank you. So let's get back to the sermon. Back to Moses. Grab a Bible, would you? Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 1. Oh, three times? Can I do this three times? When Moses... Um, well, let's just read it. Deuteronomy 31, 1 to 3, and then we're going to go down to verse 7. When Moses had finished giving these instructions, which we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, to all the people of Israel, he said, I'm now 120 years old. Thank you. I'm not 120 years old. Thank you. And I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me, you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land, and Joshua will lead you across the river, just as the Lord promised. Now go down to verse 7. Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you 
the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Do you know when you're reading a passage of Scripture and all of a sudden you read something you hadn't thought enough about? The Lord will personally go ahead of you. I've always thought him beside me and behind me. He's ahead of me. And you, Barry. And he'll be with you. And he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Again, there's a reason why these four words were some of Moses' last words. Be strong and courageous. He knew Joshua would have to motivate the people to fight giants. He knew Joshua would have to come up with a plan to do the impossible, tear down city walls. He knew Joshua would have to deal with the internal defection and sin of his people. And like I said before, he knew Joshua would have the administrative headaches of assigning the tribes their portion of the land. And as they were Moses' final words to the people and to Joshua, so they are mine. Be strong and courageous. And as he directed them to his successor, I will direct them to mine. Barry, be strong and be courageous. It will take strength and courage for you to stay in this for the long haul. I know this because in the fall of 1996, I had neither strength or courage, and I almost walked away. I went to the governing board at the time, and I said, I need some time off. I didn't tell them how bad it was. Can I have a couple of weeks? I had never really gone off on my own to seek God, but I asked them if I could do that, and they said yes, and I think the next weekend I was walking in the lobby, and a woman came up to me, and she said, hey, if you ever need to get away, my husband and I have this condo in Florida. I was like, how about next week? And so I went to Daytona. There was no one there. It was January. It was cold, but it was a condo on the beach, and it was there I wrestled with God. I walked up the beach and down the beach, and I cried, and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed, and I read, took books with me, processed, and I allowed my mind, well, I'm not sure I allowed my mind, it just happened. I recalled very tough images. I allowed those hard images, those tragic memories, and the stupid things I had done, and the awful things that people had done to me to flood, I had to... I had to look at them straight up. I couldn't deny them anymore. And interestingly enough, it wouldn't surprise you for that over the past couple of months, I've rehearsed some of these images again over the last several months. And these are just a few images that came into my mind. The number of times I've stood in the ICU with someone who's dying, holding the hands and praying over a family member as they're trying to make a decision what to do. The time I had to go to the house of parents and tell them when they came to the door that their child was just discovered drowned. The time I sat in Kibera, in, a, in, a, in the slums with a woman, there was a couple of us who went there, Jeff Unruh, I think, was with me, and we sat and visited with a woman who was dying of AIDS, and all she had was her daughter, a pot and a pan, that was it, and I knew she wouldn't last much longer. 
the time a man walked into my office and he sat down and he said, prepared to be dismayed. And he poured out a tale of debauchery in his life that I wanted to go take a shower afterwards. The death threats that I've had on my life. The time ministry almost tore apart my relationship with my wife. The time I had to let four of my friends go. The number of people who walked away from grace for reasons that cut deeply to my heart. The time I was told I'd be the next Jim Jones. And my own sin, willful sinfulness. You're going, this is supposed to be a celebration. Can you stop with this? I'm not going to lie. There were times I hated being a pastor. But as I walked and I prayed and I cried on those, in that beach of Daytona, I also allowed the incredible, heart-lifting, breathtaking moments of pastoring. And there are breathtaking moments. And I won't surprise you in the last couple of months, these images have been playing in my mind. You remember the day that we decided we were just going to open the baptismal and let whoever wanted to come get baptized, get baptized. They kept coming and they kept coming. I think it was 300 that weekend. The moments in the early days, none of you here in this room would know this. Only Penny knows this. Those, there are some friends from our first three years of ministry that I know are watching online in Middleborough, Massachusetts, sitting in our little apartment at two in the morning discussing the things of Jesus with young men and women who really were hungry. I will never forget those moments. They were breathtaking. Moments that I've really never talked publicly about with you guys, but the times that that I've had the opportunity to bid in deliverance sessions, watching men and women um, who we love, who were so caught up, and so their, even their bodies contorted with the presence of the evil one being delivered and being free. That's breathtaking. That's breathtaking. Amy, the last scene of Les Mis, I will never forget. I was standing right here, singing that last song, and all the major performances, but that one in particular, because I was in it, I remember watching Corrine preach the first sermon as a woman on this stage. Kathy leading, first chairman of the board, woman chairman of the board, a member of the board as a woman. Mel leading as one of the finest leaders I have ever been around and hear her preach, and then Amy. The sermon you gave, that you and I shared, there's so much meaning there, because yes, I've known you since you were 13, but watching that tour de force of a sermon that I believe changed many lives, that's breathtaking to me. The weekend of service, stand, the first weekend of service, standing outside, it was still dark as the cars were coming in, and I, I thought, are we going to get 25 people, 50 people, 100 people? And they kept coming, and they kept coming, and I started to weep. Every time I would take somebody, and one of the jobs I had, I've had is to take people on tours of the care center, and I could not walk into the care center giving somebody a tour without bursting into tears. It was really embarrassing, like it is right now with the blubbering and all that stuff, trying to explain. 
the merge retreat, the last merge retreat, watching young men and women come forward and fall on their, on their knees to surrender their lives to Christ and receive the healing that they so desperately needed. And every one of those lead team retreats, right, where we had the moment where the Holy Spirit said, here's where you're going. I adored being a pastor. I can't imagine not being there on the borderland of the supernatural. So as my time in Florida drew to a close, I knew I had to make a decision. There were all these really tough things and all these wonders and glories. So I asked God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to tell me? And I heard two things from God that day that radically changed my life and probably will stick with me the rest of my life. I know it will stick with me the rest of my life. So Barry, listen carefully. You've heard this story, but I'm going to tell you again. Two things I heard from God. The first thing I heard was God, God said to me, I will give you your calling, but I'm going to give it to you in 24-hour increments. Meaning, Dave, you're going to have to wake up every day and look at me to see if I'm giving you the thumbs up again. I realized when I was in Florida that the calling of pastor is one of the most difficult on the planet. And it does not rest easily upon the shoulders of a man or a woman who has been called. No one should do this job without the call of God upon their life. And God said, I'll renew it. But you're going to have to walk with me every day and I'll renew your calling. Every day, I have to, I've had to ask God, am I good to go? That was the first thing. And the second thing, maybe one of the most profound lessons I've ever learned in my life, was God said to me this. I'm going to renew your calling to pastor, but you have to look at me. It was as if God was saying, look at me, look at me. You are going to have to, you are going to, have to live the rest of your days, every day of your life, with a low-grade fever of sadness. Can you do that? Now you're going, dude, why didn't you get out? That sounds depressing, but my friends, it was liberating because it made sense of everything because I would never escape, we will never escape the low-grade fever of sadness. And do we understand what low-grade fevers are? We do in the time of COVID. We understand it. And it is our lot in life. And Barry, it will be yours. And I know the other night when we were talking with the governing board, you, ref you reflected on this. And I think you understand. But the bottom line was, as I walked away from that time in Florida, that was enough for me. God made me just strong enough to get up every day and climb my second mountain. And God made me just courageous enough to preach and to counsel and lead even with a low-grade fever of sadness. Barry, it'll kill me watching you struggle with a low-grade fever of sadness. It'll kill me. But it is the good fight. And God will give you the courage. And Barry, someday, you're going to call me and you're going to ask, Dad, should I stay? You ask, and I'll sigh, and I'll understand, and I'll say, I can't answer that question for you. 
you, and I'll point you back to the one who calls you. Barry, be strong and courageous. Grace Church, be strong and courageous. Step into the fight. Take on the giants. The walls are high, but you have courage. Each one of you is a masterpiece of God, and you are powerhouses of the Spirit of God. The world is burning, quite literally today. The world is in pain. The world hates. It is falling apart before our eyes. But this church was designed for times like these. You are powerhouses of the Spirit. Roll up your sleeves. Move into the world. Figure it out. Solve problems. Heal people. Lead them to Jesus Christ. And in six months when I return, I'll roll up my sleeves with you and we will together work to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace, all of you. I love you. I do. And amen. Amen. So we need to make this official. It is time for us to commission the second senior pastor of Grace Church. Barry Rodriguez. So I'm going to invite Barry and Olivia and Kathy to the stage. Kathy Foley. And uh, we're going to go about this, but I think, uh, and I've, I think we have something to tell you about Barry. I'm a person who doesn't deserve to be here. Like, I, I'm, I'm a nerd who doesn't have much to offer the world, who is like obsessed, I get obsessed over over little interesting things that I want to learn about. And like, I'm a, I'm a picky eating, comfort loving couch potato. I've, I've said this story before. And yet, God has taken me on this life of just adventure, traveling around the world, eating crazy things and becoming a pastor and teaching. And like, he's taken all of the ridiculous, dumb parts of me and he's shaped them into something completely new. So I guess I, I'm just this like kid who got swept up into something way bigger than myself. And now I'm finding myself here. And I, I, I'm only saying yes and moving forward because I know that God has done some incredible things in the past. And that's the kind of God he is. And so that's who I am. I started from a place of obedience where I was here because I was supposed to be, because I felt like God was telling me to be here. Um, and I, I, I've mentioned it before, but it was not awesome. At first I was pretty cynical. I was frustrated. Um, having to transition from this like wild, you know, wild west journey of like running my own my own organization and going on all these adventures and, and then to come in and be here and work, you know, in, a, in an office and, and working on an Excel spreadsheet all day, like that kind of stuff was not ideal. And I really struggled the first the first year or so. Um, but what I, what I would say is over the three years, over the last three years, um, what began as obedience has become for me 
I would I would call it delight and joy and and passion. Now there's bad days, of course, and it's hard, and there's a lot of uh, challenges that come with this role, this particular role. But um, now I see what God is doing at Grace Church. I see um, the ways in which He could use me to um, to help build this church, and um, so I'm like, yeah, God, if if you want me to be here. I do too, and I want this to happen. And so, um, so now I'm in a place of passion and joy about this. All right, so Bear, the other night, uh, Thursday night, we you shared some things about me. You said there's a lot we could say about, we could say as me about your dad, as your dad. And I would, there's a lot of things I could say to you about as, as my son, but I want to talk to you about as a leader because you are my successor. There's four things about you that I think some of them have surprised me in unbelievably pleasant ways, wonderful ways. Um, the first thing is this. how is it that God has given you such spiritual authority so early in your life? And spiritual authority is that thing that gives us influence and leadership. You possess it. I think it was a gift of the Holy Spirit, but I also think it comes from your character, your integrity. You know what I'm talking about. Your integrity breeds spiritual authority, which gives you influence. And that's also coming from that character comes from your own self-understanding, your own brokenness, and you understand who you are in this world. And I want to tell you, you are the personification of the ladder of influence. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you're an unbelievable communicator, a great preacher, a great communicator, a great writer. You have your mom's skills and grammar, which I never got. You got all those things. All those things are amazing, Barry. But it's not just your, your speaking ability. Watching you become an unbelievable exegetical um, expert at your young age is amazing because you, you you're like Tim in that you have this photographic memory, which freaks me out, and you're able to dive in and learn. That's the second thing. The third thing, I knew all along when, before you were even considered that we wanted somebody from your generation to lead. What I did not know is we get somebody from your generation who is indeed understands your generation and understand the time. You are savvy. Um, you understand how the world works through the eyes of your generation and you will lead this, this congregation forward in, in amazing ways and I'm blown away by that. And the fourth thing is something that you and I never saw coming. When you were struggling at Moody Bible Institute and you didn't know if you had, had faith and we took a flyer, took an opportunity, and I talked to Oscar and I said, hey, can you take him? Can you help him out? And Oscar took you under, and his team and Marathi took you under their wings and something happened in you that wasn't just a spiritual rebirth. You became a child of the world at that time. You became a son of all those leaders whether it was in rural Ukraine, where I know your heart is, or whether it's in the jungles of Panama, or whether it was in Cambodia, sitting around the table with, with knowing that the children of that table will be in traffic by their parents, 
um, whether it's on the, on the, in the hills where people were buried in, in South Africa, especially in Kenya, you understand the world in ways that I never have. So for those four reasons, and the many, many reasons, I, you are the man for the hour. And it is our privilege to be able to commission you. Now, we have um, uh, wrestled with what, to, what the baton would be. Yeah, we can't pass a physical baton. Are we allowed to? Let's get some sanitizer no. or something like that? I don't know. So here's what I thought. One day I was, I was standing at the house, and a thought entered my mind that... Um, Back in 2015, I think we have some images, right, of 2015, of what happened during Regenerate. Remember that little tree? Remember that little tree? Well, uh, and that was the symbol. I took one home. You know where this is going, right? I took one home, and I planted it, and I have been nurturing it for five years. And it's funny you brought this up the other day, because, Tim, you want to bring it out? So, Tim and I, Tim mostly, I helped him yesterday, the tree that you remarked about, this was my little regenerate tree that has grown, I have nurtured it, and every year, Barry, I would go out, and I'd be scared to death that it would die, and I thought it was an omen about Grace Church. (laughs) But look, it hasn't died at all, it has thrived, right? It has thrived. And, And Barry, because of your love of the land, and your love of Grace Church, your love of, what, of God's creation, this is the baton I pass. So you and Liv can plant this anywhere you want on your property, and when we come over, we can celebrate and watch it grow as you lead this church and wow. grow. That's the baton. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Kathy? Thank you, Dave. So I begin to make some comments to Barry and to commission him and pray over him. I'd like to invite any members of the lead team who are in the audience today or the governing board to join me on stage. I think there are some X's on the stage and I'm gonna continue. Some social distancing X's here, so. So Barry, I've had the privilege of being part of the team that your dad established in 2010 to create his succession plan, including, most importantly, the identification of his successor as senior pastor of Grace Church. Little did we realize as a team back then that Grace would go through some tough, hard challenges and losses in preparation for the succession and transition of the senior pastor position. And yet, God knew. He knew when you were traveling the globe, leading the organization, uh, your own not-for-profit, World Next Door, that you were fairly inexperienced in leading a complex, large organization like Grace Church, and you were still single. But he knew you were the successor. He also knew that you would need to see and experience the difficulty and struggles that we've been through these past few years in order to prepare you for this role. And today, you stand here on this stage ready to accept the mantle that God is giving you and one that we believe deeply you have been called to by God to accept this responsibility. Grace Church stands ready for your leadership. We are not a perfect church, nor will life circumstances make leading us easy. 
but we see your commitment to God, your faithfulness to following his lead, your passion-filled vision for this church, and we are ready. You are ready. So I'd like to continue from Deuteronomy into Joshua to give you a few words from the scripture. And these were the Lord's charges to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, mm-hmm. Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all of the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I'm with you just as I was with Moses. That day, the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. And for the rest of his life, they revered him as much as they had revered Moses. He did this, God did this, so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. And now, on behalf of the leadership of Grace Church, including the governing board and the entire church, and as a representative of this church, I commission you, Barry Rodriguez, to the position of senior pastor of Grace Church in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Will you join me in welcoming our new senior pastor? We love you, Barry. 
So would everyone who's listening online and in person, would you raise your hands towards Barry as we pray? Lord, will you continue to be the constant, perfect, amazing shepherd that you are over Barry? Lead him in paths of righteousness in your name, Lord. Lead him beside still waters and restore him as often as he needs. Even though he may walk in the valleys of the shadows of death, ensure that he fears no evil as he totally relies on you. Keep his heart and mind strong in you. May your rod and staff provide comfort and discipline. Anoint his head with oil, Lord, and may his cup overflow with your love, goodness, and favor. May mercy and goodness follow him all the days of his life. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. And Father, I pray that you give this man the call for another 24 hours and give him joy, give Olivia joy, give them love for each other, bless them as they invest in the land, let the land return to them in joy too. Father, I thank you for their spirits. Lift them up. We will, fall, we will follow him and thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I supposed to sit down? So, Dave, we're going to turn to now honoring you and commissioning you. You can have a seat because okay. we, before we officially commission Dave to the next season of his life, we want to remember and honor him through the messages of a few people who want to talk about the impact that he's had, not only in their own lives, but across the world. Because of you, Dave... I'm the person I am today. You have helped in my formation, and in doing so, you have engaged the Near East Side of Indianapolis here at Shepherd Community. And not only your engagement in my life, but your leadership of grace and embracing Shepherd Community years ago helped us to grow to where we are today, to the thousands of folks who are being touched, even during this COVID-19 crisis, because you invested in us. Uh, an idea called Yellow Bags started and, and we've seen now the Grace Care Center grown out of that. I thank you for your vision. Thank you for your friendship. I'm thankful for who you have been in my life and in the lives of so many. You embraced the urban community when many didn't and you've helped many of us. And so I am just one example, Jay Height here at Shepherd Community is just one example of the many you embraced and helped grow into who we are today. And because of that, the gospel is being presented in tangible ways throughout the Near East Side of Indianapolis, throughout Indianapolis, Noblesville, throughout the world. Thank you, Dave. Dave, because of you, well over 200 people, individuals, we're able to experience a style of leadership that is very rare and very needed in our world. 
I'm only one of those who have been blessed to serve on staff at Grace Church over these last 29 years, but I want to speak on behalf of all of them. Psalm 78 says, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands, he led them. Integrity and skill. Those two words used to describe your biblical namesake are perfect descriptors of you. Not everyone may have agreed with you all the time along the way, including me, by the way. But I believe that your example of integrity for all of us as pastors and staff at Grace Church has been unquestionable. I learned early that this is not the case for all senior pastors. Within the first year of my serving here as a pastor of children's ministry, I attended a children's ministry conference, and from the stage and in small group discussions, I could not believe the disdain and the disrespect that was spoken of of their senior pastors, and I knew that wasn't the case for me and for us. You have led with a rare humility, including submitting yourself to consensus decision-making with the pastors and other leaders of this church, and this has been one of the main contributors to the unity of the leadership of grace and the longevity of many key leaders. Thank you. And your skillful leadership has kept us focused and at times refocused us on what our true purpose as a church is. Your vision and your relentless insistence have resulted in Grace Church being crystal clear about what our purpose is, to make disciples of Jesus and to launch them into the mission of God so that this broken world can be healed in Jesus' name. So I want all the current and former staff of Grace Church, wherever you are, to stand right now. And we stand as a sign of our gratefulness for your example of leading us with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. And we will honor you by giving the same kind of respect to your son, Barry. Dave, for years we have stood with you, but today we stand for you and we ask God to bless you in this next season of your life on behalf of all the staff of Grace Church. Past and present, we say thank you. And I don't know if I found all the names, but I got most of the names of all those right here. You won't remember some of them, but I, I give this to you allow you to read through all the names and remember those who you've influenced as staff of Grace Church. Thank you, Dave. Hello, Grace Church. I'm Mark Flagg, and in 1998, Sarah and I started attending Grace Church as seekers. We were seeking more in our lives at that time. We continued that quest in 1999, and primarily through Dave's teaching, uh, through a small group that we're in that was a seeker group, and through our own independent Bible study, I ended up surrendering to Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life at the age of 33, and then Dave baptized me later that year. Over the next 21 years, Sarah and I served in various capacities at Grace, in small groups, in Gary's Kids Company, in Fuse, and then I served as an elder on the governing board for a period of time also. Over all that time, the biggest influence and impact that Dave had on me personally was understanding the importance of seeking God's will, nothing less and nothing more. 
So we're also going to miss Penny greatly, too, because she's been such a great encourager and supporter and accountability partner for Dave, and that has had a huge influence on the leadership of our church. We're also going to miss her piano playing, too, because it's been just such a beautiful witness to us. So Dave and Penny, you've had an influence on three generations of the Flagg family, and for that, we'll be forever grateful. And while we'll miss you, we're also looking forward to the opportunity of being led and grown by Barry and Olivia, too. So Dave and Penny, we'll miss you. We love you. Thank you. Dave, because of you, I am who I am today. My destiny many times has been called out by God through you and you speaking words of truth and life into my life. But more than that, I stand up here on behalf of the women at Grace Church Grateful to you that you never felt like it was right that men and women were not equal inside the walls of a church. And that you persevered and persisted through that stirring in your heart until this church made it right. And now women can live into their calling whatever that looks like at Grace Church. You have, what I believe you have done, is exposed this church to the other side of God in many ways and in many aspects. And we as women are forever grateful for that. Penny, thank you for being an example of what a strong, confident, godly woman can be living into her unique God-given calling and destiny in such beautiful ways. I am inspired by you and grateful for your life. And Dave, thank you too for stepping into the Me Too movement and not remaining silent, but being a pastor, one of few pastors, senior leaders, and Grace being one of the few churches that took on the abuse of power and said no more. We will not stand for it anymore. On behalf of women, and myself included, thank you. We are eternally grateful. Dave, I so wanted to be there for today's service and to be there for this farewell. And we had about 20 people who were scheduled to come and we had already chosen songs to sing and we wanted to come and dance and we wanted to come and have a big goat roast so that we can celebrate the way we would in Africa. And we had already picked a gift and then Corona happened and it wasn't gonna be possible to come. And so for me to be able to join you in the service through video is a great honor. And I just want to say, Dave, more than anything, first and foremost, thank you for being the faithful servant of the Lord that you have been. Since the time that you received God's call and his commission to ministry, you have worked diligently, you have worked hard, you have done well, and I think God in heaven today smiles and says, well done, good and faithful servant for your faithfulness. And then secondly, Dave, I just want to say thank you for being a friend and a mentor to me. 
You're older than me and I have looked up to you. I have learned from you. I have listened to your wisdom and your counsel. I have admired your gift in preaching and your ability to connect with people. And I just want to celebrate that about you, Dave, that you did well. In addition to that is the fact that I come all the way from Africa. I'm a pastor in Africa and you reached out to me and we became friends and our churches developed a partnership. And I became part of the global family that is a part of grace. And you have developed our leaders, you have spoken into their lives, you have spoken into our church, you have spoken into who we are and how we have shaped ourselves, and you have impacted us in many, many, many different ways. And as a global partner, Dave, I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a friend to us, and thank you for treating us as your equals, so that we could together enjoy the fact that we are the family of God. And then thirdly, I want to say, Dave, you know, Starting the race is always easy. Many start the race well and they run hard in the first 100 meters. But the challenge of the race is finishing well, getting to the finish line and doing well. And Dave, you have done well. Not only were you faithful in establishing grace, in starting off the church, in raising up leaders, in preaching the word of God, in impacting lives, in leading men and women to Christ, in counseling them so that they had hope and meaning and direction and purpose in their lives. But you did well, Dave, in raising up leaders, in speaking into the next generation. And now as you pass on the baton, you have finished the race well. And I think you could equally say with Paul, as he does in Second, uh, in Second Timothy chapter four and verse seven, you have run the race, you have fought the fight, and you have finished and finished well. And I admire that about you. And my prayer is that I will finish well, like my friend Dave, and will be able to enjoy looking back at what God did in those years that we ministered, and to say thank you, Lord, that we finished strong and we finished well. So. As we say farewell, as you say farewell, as we commission you, as you are commissioned to this new season of life, Dave, go and enjoy it and do well there and serve the Lord in whatever new way he wants you to serve. Because in this last chapter that was grace, you have done well and we celebrate you and we rejoice over you. God bless you. Okay, Kathy, would you join me and Dave and Penny? Would you come join me as well? Uh, Dave and Penny, it's a wonderful coincidence that this weekend is the weekend that the church celebrates Pentecost. This is the day that Christians celebrate the forceful entry of the presence, the power, and the authority of the Holy Spirit into the lives of the followers of Jesus. I know that you are well acquainted with Luke's telling of that remarkable yet somewhat confusing event. You know how Peter stood before an amazed and baffled crowd, and in a very impassioned an inspired speech, he brought clarity to that day's confusion. And you know how Peter convinced the crowd that God had empowered Jesus during his earthly ministry, and how he assured the gathered crowd that what they were witnessing 
Was God now empowering his followers in the same ways as he'd empowered Jesus? And during this speech, as Peter spoke of God's continual care, his eternal care of his son Jesus, he quoted from a Psalm of David. He quoted from Psalm 16. Psalm 16 is half a prayer, and the other half is a declaration of intention. David first prays for God's protection and guidance, and then he declares to the entire world that he, David, will steadfastly hold to the confidence that God will not only answer his prayers, but that God will stand with him through anything that the future might bring. I have been given the honor of praying a prayer of blessing over you for your days ahead. The first Pentecost marked the turning point from the glorious ministry of Jesus to the unimaginable forceful beginning of the work of the church, their task to take the, world, the message of Jesus into the whole world. And this Pentecost This Pentecost marks the turning point from your powerful and faithful ministry as the leader of Grace Church to what I believe will also be an unimaginably powerful work that will continue to take the message of Jesus into the whole world. David spoke of many ways that God had blessed him in Psalm 16, and so I'm going to use David's words to now ask for God's blessing on you, Dave and Penny, my dear brother and sister. So would you pray with me? My dear Heavenly Father, I ask that in the days ahead you will keep Dave and Penny safe, that you will be a constant refuge for them. I pray that you will surround them with godly people and that you will fill their lives with good things. Dear Lord, please let Penny and Dave know each night as they lay their heads on their pillows that you are with them and that you are finding great joy in them. Please give them the assurance that they cannot be shaken. Please give them glad hearts in the coming days and give them rest for their bodies. Father, I pray that you continue to show them the way of life Please grant them the joy of your presence, and may they always live in the confidence that you will be with them, not only in the days on this earth, but with them through all of the days of eternity. I ask these things for Dave and Penny in the authority of the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our brother. (laughs) 